The college baseball experience on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already may play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold hard cash with their new over-under game. Just head over to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone to join the SGPN group chat, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Let's go, baby. Like I said on yesterday's podcast, that is postseason college baseball music right there. In case you live under a rock as a college baseball degenerate, that is Key to the City by Adam Doliak, the college baseball World Series alum from Southern Miss. That is also the ESPN intro song to uh, the College World Series coverage. So, I love it. I love the college band in the background, and currently I don't have the file to Colby's intro for the college football, college basketball experience, so we're just going to roll with that. But my name is Noah Beanick. I'm your host of the College Baseball Experience. You can follow me on Twitter at 77NB. That is the word 70, the number 7, NB, and man, One day into the college baseball postseason, there's already a lot to talk about. But first, let's talk about yesterday's podcast picks. Um, Your boy went 4-4 on the day. Uh, Even 500, we were plus plus 0.15 units. So um, not much plus or minus on the day, but we hit a huge dog at plus 170 Pittsburgh money line that one felt great as they pulled off the victory against um who'd they even beat it's so in the past (laughs) um why am i blanking on this hold on pit beat georgia tech um that one that one felt great i think they doubled them up there too the other big win was alabama money line minus 105 against georgia and, I mean, I've been a huge Georgia guy all year, gave out a preseason future on them and went against my guys, and Bama went out and got it done. Roll Tide. So, yeah, uh, Tulane minus 145, that was a loss. I gave that out yesterday. Bama and Pitt won as dogs for me. Liberty also won at minus 140. South Florida lost. They were plus 180. Minus 150, Wake Forest. They lost in the NC State. Minus 110, Ole Miss. Uh, they lost to... Vanderbilt in the nightcap and North Carolina at minus 110, one in the ACC tournament nightcap. And, I mean, this is going to be the story of the day in college baseball. Let's get right to it. Barstool Sports guy, uh, Ben Mintz, or as some of you may know him by Mincy, um, approached the Vanderbilt Whistler at the stadium, in the stadium at the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game. Now, I'm on record saying this. I actually, I watch a lot of college baseball. I'm really not bothered by the Vandy Whistler. 
Like, if you're bothered by a guy that whistles three times like this, and then the whole crowd claps after him three times like this, there's something wrong with you. And, like, me playing baseball growing up and playing it pretty dang competitively, I was taught to tune out outside noises. Like, if the other dog, if the other dugout is chirping you and you're on the mound, you're supposed to just tune that out. How, how... How hard is it to tune out a whistler and clapping? Like, the fans that complain about this guy, I find there's so many of them that complain about two Vanderbilt whistlers that do that little thing where they've whistled three times and the rest of the fans clap after them. I really don't have much of a problem of it, but in at a baseball game, and this is a huge game. This is the game that I wanted to be the nightcap, and some weather delays allowed it to be the nightcap. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt are two huge baseball programs facing off against each other on the diamond. The fans are not facing each other off of the diamond. I don't I don't want to be seeing this during a primetime SEC tournament game. I think it's dumb and that's kind of what Barstool is is they're they're dumb. They're out there to get the attention and bring the headlines to themselves really instead of the baseball game. They're always making videos of themselves at baseball games and they post videos of themselves at baseball games. Now I'm not blasting Mincy. Like when I go to Omaha this year, because that's my goal, I'll try to be in Omaha for the College World Series this year. I'll probably run into him and I'll probably ask for a picture from him. That's like how I am. I want to be friendly and network and make good friends with a lot of these college baseball guys, but it's just not really my thing. And I've never, I've never really been a Mincy guy. I'd be lying if I say I don't follow Barstool because I kind of like was early on this group with Dave Portnoy and Big Cat and KFC and all them. But I've never really been a huge Mincy guy. I just follow him because he does some content around college baseball. But yeah, I, I mean, I basically compared it to Mincy's been talking about this Vandy Whistler for like a year and a half now. I compared it to finally getting the courage to stand up to your teacher on the last day of school for like scraping the chalkboard every day in the morning to wake up the kids. That's basically what this feels like. And like the other thing was, is, uh, Paul Bissonette, the guy from the Spit and Chicklets podcast for uh, Barstool, he comments on this thing. He goes, I have no idea what this is all about, but go Mincy or something like that. It was something something stupid. And then Mincy goes back, just be thankful that the Vandy Whistler does not come to the hockey rink. Dude, Paul Bissonette played a little bit for the Pittsburgh Penguins, which... I go to college out in Pittsburgh. I've been to a couple of Penguins games. They literally have a, a damn mascot blowing an air horn every 10 seconds, three times, just like the Whistler. <laughs> if you're bothered by that, you don't want to go to a Penguins game where Biz played through that shit. So, I mean, the Penguins mascot literally blared that thing three times every 10 seconds and the crowd would chant let's go pens after that and during their home games it was 60 minutes of playing time he was doing that for at least half of the game like i'm a red wings fan and i was going for red wings games i was not bothered it i actually thought it was cool so that's where i stand on the whole whistler shit so i actually don't mind the whistler um the biggest highlight i'd say from the day was the ending to the florida 
South Carolina game. Now, in the bottom of the 10th inning, let me start with this. Ole Miss tied the game up in the top of the ninth to make this thing go to the bottom of the 10th. And the inning starts off with a Florida double, which was a ground ball down the third baseline, and it bounced on the third base bag and over the third baseman to start off the inning with a double. Then somewhere in the middle of the inning, there was a single that was slapped in the center field through the infield on the ground. And easily the runner would have scored from second running to home. The third base coach held him up and the ball was sailed 10 feet over the catcher's head. Like he would have been, he would have scored standing up. Um, So uh, the guy that hit the ball advances to second on the overthrow. And now we have, I'm, I'm a Florida fan, so sorry, I just referred to them as we. But now there's runners on second and third base with one out. And a line drive gets hit to center field. It's caught. And now they tag up. The guy has momentum on a short throw in center field. The guy that just missed it over like 10 feet over the catcher's head puts a dime right on the plate. And the Florida runner would be out by five feet. Like, this third base coach had two blunders in two straight at-bats. But anyways, this guy would have been canned. But as the catcher applied the tag, the ball just squeezes out of the glove. And Florida moves on. And South Carolina's season ultimately comes to an end there as they needed to do some work in the tournament to get an at-large bid. But... Those were kind of the two things that I wanted to talk about from the day's action. The ACC kind of had um, two of the three games that they played. There was there were actually like rematches from the weekend series prior, and the two teams that lost in the conference tournament were the two teams that actually swept the other team in the three games prior on the weekend. So that was pretty interesting. I know I took that into account when I was handicapping that NC State game for sure. But who knows? Maybe NC State's got this revenge tour going. Um, Trying to make this one a quick podcast again as we're putting it up early in the morning for all of the games for you guys. So I'll jump right into a couple of ads real quick, and then we can hit on these games one by one that are being offered in America. Um, Make sure to get down on wins. Bet $50, win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you up to $200 in free bets. Plus, the WinBet Casino is offering 100% deposit up to $1,000. All users can receive a $20 free bet when they win, lose, or push a three-plus leg build-your-own-bet parlay between Thursday and Saturday. Players can take advantage of the offer on the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. The match is coming to the win, and you can bet on it on WinBet. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers team up, and they're favored at minus 200 against the Young Guns in the NFL. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes at plus 165. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started and bet on that match on the Win Resorts golf course. The offer is subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're jumping right into the biggest game of the day, and it comes at 10 a.m. Eastern time. 
the Big 12 is really torturing us uh, non-morning people. But uh, we have... It, the game the game's being played in Globe Life Park, Arlington, Texas. That's where the whole tournament's going to be played in. The Texas Rangers Stadium. The number five seed in the Big 12, Texas, is 39-17 and 17 on the year. 14-10 and 10 in Big 12 play. They'll be playing the four seed Oklahoma State, who's 36 and 18 and 15 and 9 in the Big 12. Texas is favored at minus 125, and OSU is the slight dog at minus 105. The pitching for this, the pitching matchup for this game has not been confirmed, but I'm projecting the aces to pitch for both of these squads. We saw quite a few horses throw on four days of rest yesterday, although typical college rest is seven days. Uh, MLB rest is five days, and both Pete Hansen and Justin Camel are big leaguers, and they'll be ready for this moment. At the beginning of the season, we saw that these two, we thought that these two would meet in the Big 12 championship, and now they're meeting in the 4-5 seeded game in the Big 12 tournament. This game will be absolutely electric as both teams are fighting for hosting rights in an NCAA tournament regional. The projected pitchers that I have for this matchup, again, this is me projecting them, and when I say projected throughout this podcast, that is me predicting who will pitch for the team. So when I say official, that's when you know it's the true thing. Um, The southpaw for Texas, Pete Hansen, their ace, He's 9 and 1 on the year with a 3.28 ERA, 95 strikeouts, 14 walks in 85 innings pitched, and on the other side, Oklahoma State's right-handed pitcher Justin Campbell, who's 8 and 2 with a 3.71 ERA, 123 strikeouts to only 23 walks in 87.1 innings pitched. Texas is 20th in the RPI, 3 and 5 versus the top 25. Texas leads the Big 12 in batting average at 3.22. They lead the Big 12 in Team ERA at 415, and they also lead the Big 12 in fielding percentage at 986. <coughs> Oklahoma State is 17th in the RPI. They're 6-2 versus the top 25. Oklahoma's 12th in the fielding percentage in the nation at 980, and they lead the Big 12 in strikeouts pitch and opponent batting average. In what will be a great orange uniform matchup, I like the burnt orange and their more consistent offense to win this game. Look for big bats. Murphy Staley and the Big 12 Player of the Year and Golden Spikes favorite Ivan Melendez to play a big role in this game. I'll I'll take Texas minus 125 here. All right, that was was a big matchup. We had to get that. Get it out of the way in the first 10 minutes of the podcast because I know a lot of people are going to be coming in here at, like, I don't know, 8, 9 o'clock morning in their local time, and they'll be looking right away for that game to have a bet on while they work. Um, let me get a, grab a drink real quick before we hit into the next couple of games. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I was told... I was a little bit of a motor mouth and talking pretty fast on the last podcast. I'm going to try to slow it down, but I'm doing that on purpose because I want this podcast to be as short and as quick as possible for all you guys that just want to get in, listen to their specific game, and get out and go bet it and watch it. So at 11 a.m. Eastern Time in the Atlantic 10 tournament, 
taking place in Fort Myers, Florida. The number three seed, Kennesaw State, is 32-25 and 25 on the year, 19-11 in the conference. We'll be playing the number one seed from the conference, Liberty, who's 19-11 and 11 in conference. Liberty, through their Friday night guy, Dylan Cunning, coming uh, yesterday against the four seed to line him up to pitch in the championship game as well. Kennesaw did the same thing. These two played in this series last weekend, and if rotation follows suit, we should see for Kennesaw their senior John Bezdesek, who's 4-1 with a 3.98 ERA, 74 strikeouts, 29 walks, and 65.2 innings pitched. Um, last weekend when these two teams played each other, he went five innings, three hits, three runs, six strikeouts, and uh, gave up four walks as well. For Liberty, uh, their junior, Joe Adametz the third. He has a 6-3 and three record, 2.02 ERA, 68 strikeouts, 20 walks, 75.2 innings pitched on the year. And last weekend against Kennesaw, he threw four innings, gave up eight hits, only one earned run, but there was four runs scored on him in the game. He had two strikeouts and two walks. I think Adam Metz comes out and deals again without the defensive airs this time. And even if he doesn't throw that well, this Flames pitching staff is deep and has the nation's 20th best team ERA of a 4.02. I'll highlight Brady Golikowski here, who was responsible for all four of the Flames' runs against FGCU yesterday to uh, aid them in their win. He blasted two home runs with a three-run shot in the fourth and then the goal-ahead solo shot that was hit in the seventh. Liberty at minus 195 is a nice parlay builder, and this time in this podcast, I'll remember to give out a parlay at the end. Um, honestly, completely forgot in yesterday's podcast. I'm hitting at 57%, four and three on parlays giving out given out on the prior 12 episodes of this podcast before I forgot to give one out on the 12th episode of the pod. But uh, it's in the past, and today I will make sure I throw one in at the end. Next game, also at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, taking place in the ACC Tournament in Charlotte, North Carolina. The 11th seed in the ACC, Pitt, who's 28-26 and 26 on the year, will play the number two seed, Louisville, who's 38-16-1 and 18-11-1 in the conference. Louisville opens up as a minus 255 favorite, and Pitt is plus 190. It's do or die trying time for Pitt, as they had fun yesterday with a win against Georgia Tech, but this time around, they don't have their ace Gilbertson to lean on. But I project that Billy Corcoran will be on the mound for the Panthers, and he only threw a complete game with nine punches and no walks, only giving up three earned runs on 113 pitches his last time out against Louisville. On the season, Corcoran is 7-5 and five with a 4.24 ERA, 66 strikeouts, only eight walks in 80.2 innings pitched. Louisville's pitching staff is a disaster. They literally only have seven they literally have seven guys with at least three starts because they haven't cemented a fourth starter all season against an eleven seed in a against an eleven seed in a midweek game. I would expect them to throw off, but I don't think they can afford to. If they don't throw their ace Jared Poland 
who's 5 and 3 with a 2.83 ERA, 91 strikeouts, 27 walks in 73.1 innings pitched. I think Pitt has a very good chance to win this game. I'll add this too. Pitt didn't throw their Swiss Army bullpen stud that I have seen live Brady Devereaux. Pitt with a rejuvenated mojo and a starter who will who shut down the Cardinals his last time out and their best reliever still in their back pocket. All signs are pointing me to take Pitt as the underdog again, plus 190 on the money line. Really, really like that upset play. <clears throat> um, at 1.30 p.m., our next game comes from the Conference USA Tournament in Hattiesburg, Missouri. Mississippi. Oh, my God. Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Call me out for that one on Twitter, guys. I'm sorry. Um, the number seven seed... In the CUSA is Charlotte. They're 36 and 19 on the year, 18 and 12 in conference. They're playing the number two seed, Louisiana Tech, who's 38 and 18, 18 and 10 in the conference. Louisiana Tech is a minus 170 favorite, whereas Charlotte is plus 140. La Tech just played Charlotte in a weekend series on Thursday. The 49ers started Hale Sims, who was the second who has the second most starts on the team with nine, and he's 3-1 and one with a 4.22 ERA, 46 strikeouts, 27 walks, 42.2 innings pitched, and a 209 opponent batting average. In that game, though, Sims walked two and gave up two runs in the first inning, and coach Robert Woodward gave him a quick pull and inserted Spencer Geesting, who has been great all year. He went seven innings strong in relief, only gave up one run with eight strikeouts and three walks, and his opponents have a batting average. <coughs> his opponents have a batting average of two thirteen, and he has ninety four strikeouts all year. Charlotte won that Thursday game by eleven to, by a score of eleven to three, after bla- blasting the Bulldogs guy Cade Gibson, scoring five runs in three point one innings. Gibson's team looks or Gibson's turn looks to be up again as he's 5 and 5 on the year with a 5.19 ERA, 86 strikeouts and 18 walks, 78 innings pitched on the year. If that happens again, I'm betting on the fact that the 49ers bats tee off. Charlotte plus 140 is the bet and I'm saying this I'm projecting it but I feel pretty comfortable that either Sims or um Geesting will start, and basically the other one's probably going to piggyback him off the start. That way, Charlotte can get this victory over Louisiana Tech in the tournament. Um, Next game, simple handicap here. Uh, We can't pick Baylor to beat TCU, the regular season champs in the Big 12, but if we get burned by picking TCU, it, it is what it is because TCU has the pedigree. They have the guys. They have the guys that have done it all year in this conference. It's a simple handicap. Um, the spread should be larger than minus 140 on the money line because Baylor's ace Tyler Thomas is done for the year due to injury. So nobody is going to show up for this Bears team and absolutely shove. The Bears are 7-12 and in the conference. I feel really comfortable and just trusting that TCU is going to be able to get this one done. That game is at 130. TCU's minus one forty. I still don't. I still don't quite understand that. Baylor's plus one ten. If you're interested in that price, 
Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I use it for mine. It's a game-changing product, unlike anything else in the industry, and now you can make money on Sleeper 2 by playing their new over-under game. It's super simple. First, in any sport, choose two or more players that you like and pick the over or under on, for example, their points in basketball or hits in baseball. Then, choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the amount of money you put in. The main reason I'm excited about this over-under game on Sleeper is that it's the only app where I can join my buddies' contests and we can play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to write it out all together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game and have fun with your friends and make some money. Uh, promo code for SGPN is SGPMLB uh, for that sleeper app. Um, Manscaped has an ad as well, and these are always a trip. Malcolm loves these on the MLB Gambling Podcast. And it starts off with sweaty sex summer. I mean, who else refers, refers to the summer as sweaty sex summer? Nobody other than Manscaped. Let's go. Like I said, the Triple S is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort of your crotch. <clears throat> That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Um, it's so breathable, it's like gills for your groin. They even trademarked the jewel pouch, so you know it's serious. I think it's time you invest in your family jewels so you let your bulge breathe and get 20% off plus free shipping using code SGP at manscaped.com. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run, or strut these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SGP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code SGP at manscaped.com. Once the Boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you'll never go back. Okay, back to the good stuff, the games. Um, Got to flip my page in my notebook. Which, I mean, I posted that video on Twitter. I literally spent 15 years in school. I have never, one, I've never been a good student and never really took notes in class. But I have never gone page to page in a 70-page notebook and wrote on every one of them. <coughs> I've, I've done 15 years of school, like I said. I worked five and a half months with SGPN doing college basketball college baseball, MLB. I did like a day of college football because I joined the day before the national championship. But yeah, I I literally did 70 pages of handicapping in a notebook in five and a half months. Not one day of school or not one time during school have I actually completed a notebook. So I feel very accomplished in myself. That calls for a drink of water. All right. So 30 minutes after this Auburn-Kentucky game finishes in Hoover, and yesterday 
I gave it out on the podcast. I like Kentucky to beat Auburn in that game. Um, let me go pull that up, that handicap up real quick for you guys, and I'll read that off. Um, sorry, I'm not even I'm not even prepared to do that. But yeah, these two squads just played each other in a weekend series four days ago, where Kentucky came out on top in a weekend that Auburn could have won the SEC if they the SEC West if they played well, but. Kentucky stole it from them. Auburn, 7th in the RPI, 24-14 and 14 versus the RPI's top 100 teams. Kentucky is 54th in the RPI, and they're 9-10 and 10 versus the RPI's top 25. Um, at this price, let me know. Let's see if they updated it. Kentucky at plus 120. Um, yesterday, Kentucky was plus 115, so it's even juicier. Um, Auburn, I again, I... Um, I think I projected these guys, and it may have changed. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna read the. Uh... No, these guys were confirmed for yesterday. So Carson Skipper, he's five and three on the year with a 4.81 ERA. He's making his first start of the season with 44 strikeouts and nine walks on the year as a reliever. Kentucky, they're going with Sean Herney. He's five and four on the year with a two ninety-three ERA, sixty strikeouts, sixteen walks in fifty-eight point one innings pitched. My handicap was Herney's not a normal starter, but he's Kentucky's best pitcher. They use him in many different big leverage spots out of the bullpen. And Auburn's throwing off here in the midweek against the team that they lost a weekend series to, so yeah, I'll be I'll be taking the Kentucky money line as a dog there. Uh, forgot about that game completely. Let me go add that to the final segment where I list off my full card. <laughs> that's that's tough. That's that's bad. Okay, plus one one twenty Kentucky money line. Love that play versus Auburn. If the pitches are still the same, sorry, I'm not even prepared. I didn't even look. At that game, and now I'm pissed off. All right, at noon, or it, it's going to be around noon. Alabama, the 11 seed, they're 30 and 25 on the year, 12 and 7 in 12 and 17 in the conference. They're taking on the three seed Arkansas, who's 38 and 16 and 18 and 12 in the conference. Arkansas is the minus 155 favorite on the opening line, and Alabama is plus 125. Alabama is absolutely rolling tide right now. After stealing the season-ending series versus the Razorbacks when they had a shot to win the SEC West, Arkansas has lost two straight series versus Vanderbilt in Alabama. The Hogs won in Bama's Aces Garrett McMillan's start, and he just pitched yesterday versus Georgia. Bama still needs to win, so I expect their number two Jacob McNary to fall in line here. On Friday against the Hogs, McNary pitched five innings, gave up four runs on six hits with seven, seven strikeouts and three walks. On the on the season, McNary is six and two with a 4.79 ERA, 62 strikeouts, 17 walks, and 67.2 innings pitched. For Arkansas, I'm projecting that Will McIntyre will throw for them. He's one and one on the year. With 267 ERA, 29 strikeouts, 13 walks in 27 innings pitched. On Thursday against Alabama, he threw four innings, giving up three runs on eight hits, four strikeouts, and two walks. Like I said, I'm projecting both of these starters 
but I'm pretty confident that uh, both will start unless Arkansas throws their ace Connor Noland on five days rest, which is easily possible after we've seen a lot of the teams so far this uh, postseason do that. With a hot Bama offense and the sky falling in Fayetteville, trust me, I've listened. I've listened to our guys, uh, Phil Elson and his guys that he works with at Hit the Line. I listened to their morning show, and the the sky is falling over there in Fayetteville. Um, I don't know how we can bet Arkansas here, so Alabama plus one twenty five is the play for me. The next game at noon here is, this one was, looks to be just added. It's in the Pac-12 tournament in Scottsdale, Arizona. The five seed in the Pac-12, Arizona. They're 35-21, and 16-14 and 14 in the conference. They're taking on the four seed, Oregon, who's 35-21, and 18-12 and 12 in the conference. This is happening in a lot over the last two days, but Arizona and Oregon also just played each other over the last weekend where the Ducks swept the Wildcats. Oregon has won five of the last seven series, or five of their last seven games, and they open up as a minus-135 favorite, and Arizona's a plus-105 dog. Arizona's 39th in the RPI, 6-6 six and six versus top 25 RPI teams. Chase Davis for the Wildcats has 16 home runs on the year. He's tied for second in the Pac-12 in that stat category. And Daniel Susak and Tanner Otremba rank first and third in the Pac-12 for hits. This Arizona squad is very offensive. Not much pitching, though. Oregon, on the other hand, is 18th in the RPI. They're 7-5 versus the top 25 in the RPI. And let me just say this. Oregon's athletic department sucks. They have no info on this game, basically. They have nothing. They don't even list who they're playing. It's just a big list of team stats. And yes, those stats are sometimes helpful. But I'd like to know what the pitching matchup is and just a couple of stats that you looked up on the other team. But no, they they literally just list a bunch of nonsense and it's bullshit. Um, Sign me up. I'll, I'll go right for you guys. But anyways... Um, on Arizona's uh, website, their preview has the official pitching matchup where Arizona's starting their right-hander Dawson Nets, who's 2-1 with a 4.31 ERA, 24 strikeouts, only 9 walks in 31.1 innings pitched. Um, he threw one perfect relief inning with a strikeout on Thursday against Oregon, and for Oregon, their right-handed pitcher, Christian, and I'm going to butcher this, it's Christian Chuffatelli. He's 1-3 on the year with a 233 ERA, 28 strikeouts, 14 walks, and 27 innings pitched. On Thursday against Arizona, he started, only went 2.2 innings pitched, one run on four hits, three strikeouts, and two walks. Um, Mel- Malcolm kind of has this saying on the MLB Gambling Podcast, when you sit down at a roulette table and it's spun seven times straight on black, are you the one that bets red or are you the one that bets black? Me, I've seen it seven straight times. I always go with the same color. I'm going to be betting black. And here, Oregon just swept Arizona. I know that, I mean, it's kind of contradicting me, but it's in a completely different conference where the ACC the teams that got swept ended up winning the game in the conference tournament, but 
With these teams in specific, I'm going to keep playing black. I'm going to take Oregon minus 135 to win this game. Uh, the next game on the slate, it's a wild line in the Atlantic Sun Tournament as Florida Gulf Coast opens at minus 265 versus the three seed um, versus the two seed Lipscomb. Florida Gulf Coast is the four seed. Lipscomb is plus 200. The two seed is a heavy, heavy dog. Lipscomb just beat Kennesaw State, the three seed, yesterday by a score of 12 to 10 by pitching their fourth best starter. This is Lipscomb's ace's turn in the rotation, and I'm projecting him to throw today. Michael Dunkelberger is his name, and that is one hell of a name. Michael Dunkelberger. He's 7-2 on the year with a 3.15 ERA, 62 strikeouts, 17 walks in 74.1 innings pitched. I also project, or I also projected Jason Woodward to start for Florida Gulf Coast yesterday, but he didn't go. So today we'll I'm I'm gonna keep saying his name until he pitch pitches, but today is his day in the rotation. I don't care. Who's on the mound? If the offense is hot and scoring 12 runs in a conference tournament game, that's great because it pushes, it puts coaches in a place that they absolutely they do not want to be. If you're going to put up 12 runs in a game, you need to change your pitcher every once in a while. But going deep into your bullpen in a conference tournament is not ideal as you're playing back-to-back games for five, six days straight. Um, yeah, my pick is going to be the Bisons, they're plus two hundred, um, and this is not a very good pitching squad in the in the Eagles. So, I look for that Bison lineup to stay hot and get me a couple of runs early in this game and force the hand into the bullpen and get them working early. The college baseball experience is also brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG One supplement. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced food superfoods, probiotics, and adaptions to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It costs you less than $3 a day, and you're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and the recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Back to the college baseball slate. Let's go. Turn the page in my notebook because it is loaded with games today. Um, This is... By far today is going to be most the most handicappable games that I have because a lot of these matchups will be given out at like midnight on these days from here until the end of the weekend. So this is probably going to be the most games on a podcast that you will hear picks from me. Um, but in the ACC tournament in Charlotte, North Carolina at 3 o'clock p.m. in 
North Carolina, like I said, the number nine seed, Florida State. They're 32 and 22 on the year, 15 and 15 in the ACC. They're playing the number five seeded Virginia Cavaliers, who are 38 and 15 on the year and seven and 17 and 13 in conference. Virginia opens up as a minus 150 favorite, and Florida State's plus 120. Florida State is 29th in the RPI, 9-10 and 10 versus the RPI's top 25, and Virginia is 14th in the RPI and 5-3 and three versus the RPI's top 25-50 to 50 team range. For Florida State, their southpaw, this is confirmed by the way, their southpaw, Bryce Hubbard, who's 8-2 with a 2.97 ERA, 90 strikeouts, only 18 walks in 69.2 innings pitched, will face... Virginia's southpaw, Brian Gursky, who's 7-1 on the year with a 3.32 ERA, 78 strikeouts, 31 walks, and 62.1 innings pitched. Virginia is 10th in the country in batting average at 3.14, and the Hoos are also the 12th best team in team ERA at 3.88. Fun fact, Virginia and Tennessee are the only two schools who rank in the top 20 of both categories. Personally, I would love an under on this game here because Hubbard will give the Seminoles a chance to win this game. But I'm not going to pick against Virginia. Virginia minus 150 is going to be the play. Um, Let me run through this Pac-12 game real quick here. Um, The one-seeded Stanford Cardinal, they're against the eighth-seed Arizona State. And honestly... Just throw Stanford and TCU into parlay because they're just big two. They're two big time no brainers. Uh, this isn't my official parlay for the end of the podcast, but I'm just saying if you were to throw those two together, I would say it's probably going to end up around plus one thirty ish. And I don't see either of those teams losing their games. So yeah, Stanford Cardinal. They should be able to win that one. Go Trees. Um, also on the slate, back to back parlay builders here as we're offered Southern Miss at minus 315 versus UAB. I'll throw that into a parlay any day of the week. One seed versus eight seed, and the one seed the Golden Eagles have the arguably the best pitching staff in the country with a team 3018 ERA, putting them second in the country, only behind Tennessee. A parlay with Stanford or TCU here would be around plus money and that would be great get uh, golden eagles will be at the end of the podcast i can almost guarantee that i'll have them in that segment <clears throat> next on the slate oh geez we have another another juicy money line for a parlay and it's texas tech at minus 165 against kansas state texas tech is actually my pick to win this big 12 tournament as they dodged all of TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas, who I think are the three most dangerous teams to challenge the Red Raiders or maybe Oklahoma for this Big 12 tournament title. Kansas State is a little bit of a stepping stone for Texas Tech. They could even throw off here in this spot and still win. That's how much I like the Red Raiders here. Um, did I name Did I name the odds for this game? Texas Tech is... Minus 165, Kansas State is plus 135. Okay, next game on the card. Around 530, we'll have another SEC tournament game between the number 7 seeded Florida 
36 and 20 on the year, 15 and 15 in conference against the number two team, Texas A&M, who's 35 and 17, 19 and 11 in the SEC. Florida is minus 155, and Tamu is also minus 155. Since April 5th, the Aggies are 19 and 6 with an electric offense. And speaking of electric, how about that ending that I already mentioned in the Florida South Carolina game? That thing ended at like 10.30 p.m. Eastern time last night. So as a Florida fan, I mean, our pitching staff has not been that great this year. Uh, It's going to be a tough bounce back after a late night last night coming in here and they'll play at like 5 Eastern. Maybe maybe it gets pushed back like a month or a month. Yeah, with all the rain in Hoover, it might be a month, but maybe it gets pushed back an hour or two. And it's going to be the same time that they play at. Uh, as yesterday, but yeah, it's just a long, emotional night last night. I'm a little nervous about the guys, but <coughs> for Florida, Brandon Neely, who I absolutely love, he's jumped into the rotation in replace of Hunter Barco due to his Tommy John injury, and Neely has done nothing but exceed expectations. He has a 3.38 ERA. Like I said, I think he's. I think I already said it. He's three and one on the year, with 64 strikeouts, 15 walks in 56 innings pitched, and his opponents are batting only 192 against him. And for the Aggies of Texas A&M, their ace, their big arm. I'm projecting Nathan Detmer to be throwing here. He's five and two on the year with a 3.93 ERA, coming off of his worst start last month, but he had. In the last month, sorry, his worst start in the last month, but over the season, he has 67 strikeouts, 20 walks in 73.1 innings pitched. <clears throat> like I said and alluded to earlier, I'm just nervous about this bullpen here for the Florida Gators as they've already played one game, played 10 innings. They went a little bit deep into it. I know Sprout went like 8.1, but... Um, a couple of last, like, taxing seven outs, eight outs there for the Florida bullpen. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how Florida as a team will bounce back after a huge emotional win last night. So A&M minus 115 would be my pick here. I don't know if, I don't know if you'll see me betting it, but I would say you guys are good to go betting it. I'm not going to bet against my Gators. Another little parlay bet you can make <clears throat> is on Maryland, who's minus 170 versus Indiana, who just gave up 30 runs to Iowa the other day. The Terps are projected as the number three national seed in the NCAA tournament right now as well. So this is a nice, cheap play for a parlay if you're interested in the Dirty Terps. At 7 o'clock in the ACC tournament, we have the 10-seeded NC State Wolfpack. They're 34-20 and 20 on the year. With a 14-14 and 14 record in the ACC, they will be playing, uh, I think they're the three-seeded Miami, Florida Hurricanes. They're 39-16 and 16 on the year, 20-10 and 10 in conference. Miami opens up as a minus-150 favorite, and NC State's plus-120. How about this Wolfpack team, eh? It's almost like Elliot Affen dunked their heads in water, baptizing them, saying it's postseason baseball time because they beat Wake Forest 11-8. That offense woke up. They had good pitching, uh, solid throughout the game. Yes, they did give it up eight runs, but it's been better than normal as of late. This matchup, though, 
will be much tougher against Miami than it was against Wake Forest. I'm projecting that Carson Palmquist, their southpaw ace, will be pitching. He's nine and three with a rec- he's a nine and three record on the year with a 2.64 ERA, 105 strikeouts, only 24 walks in 75 innings pitched. And for NC State, my projection of Garrett Payne yesterday was wrong, as they went with Justin Lawson on two days rest after a two inning relief appearance. But anyways, today. Their number one, Logan Whitaker, is due up in the rotation. And you just have to throw him here against the best team you're guaranteed to face in the ACC tournament. Whitaker is 2-3 and three on the year with a 3.57 ERA, 58 strikeouts, 20, 28 walks on the year in 63 innings pitched. He's their best, but it's just not going to be enough against Palmquist and Miami here. NC State is happy that they've basically locked themselves into an NCAA tournament appearance as an at-large team and will politely bow out for the Hurricanes, giving Miami minus 115 on the money line. But I am really interested in the momentum that NC State has. I I just don't think they'll be able to get it done against Palmquist, literally like one of the top five starting pitchers of this season um, in the country. The next Pac-12 tournament game we have is between the number seven seed Washington Huskies, who are 30 and 24 on the year, and 14 and 16 in the conference. They'll be taking on Oregon State, who's 41 and 13 and 20 and 10 in the Pac-12. The Beavers open up as minus 280 favorites, and the Huskies are plus 210. The pitching matchup has officially been announced for this game, where Oregon State. They're pitching Jaron Hunter, whereas Washington is throwing their leader of the Husky Pack, their ace, Jared Engman. This stat comes courtesy of Dryden Scott, a friend of the program, and you can find him in the Slack channel. Engman has only given up two total runs in all of May, and currently this is a struggling Beavers offense that has lost their last two straight weekend series. Angman is 4 and 5 on the year with a 3.95 ERA, 56 strikeouts and 23 walks in 70.2 innings pitched. In his start versus Oregon State back in April when the Beavers actually used baseball bats instead of whatever they use right now with their offense, they still only scored four total runs in that game. And with Oregon State starting a midweek guy, my preseason plus 3300 Beavers are in trouble again. For what it's worth, Hunter has been excellent for OSU this year. He's 2-1 in midweek starts. He's 3.43 ERA, 35 strikeouts, only 5 walks on the year, and 42 innings pitched. I would fancy this Huskies team at plus 2.10 with their big dog on the bump, and I would like an under in this game if they do offer it. Um... The next game we have here is the Big 12 nightcap where we have the red-hot Oklahoma Sooners as the three-seed playing a team in the six-seed slot, the Mountaineers of West Virginia. Um, West Virginia this year, they've beaten most of the bad teams and they've lost to most of the good ones. And two weeks ago, they got pummeled twice by Oklahoma, um, 15-1 and 17-7. With ace Jake Bennett on the mound, minus 160, I I don't think they're going to lose this game with Bennett on the bump. So minus 160 seems good. If it's too juicy for you to play on the money line, throw that one into a parlay as well. 
Um, one more game on our slate, and it is the nightcap in the SEC. We have the Big 12's best game in the morning that'll dominate the headlines all the way to about 8 p.m. Eastern time because we have the 8 seed in the SEC, Vanderbilt, who's 36-19 and 19 on the year, 14-16 and 16 in the conference, an uncharacteristic SEC regular season from them, but they made it all up with a victory against Ole Miss last night, basically in prime time, under the lights with everybody's eyes. They'll be taking on the number one seed, Tennessee, who's 49-7 and on the year with a 25-5 and record in the conference. Tennessee opens up as a minus-235 favorite against Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's plus 180. I mean, <clears throat> it was kind of cool. Last night I watched the Tony Vitello in, uh, interview on SEC Network, and man, is he one hell of a car salesman. I would run through a brick wall for the guy, the way he was talking about recruiting guys in uh, with Edge because they're not really a Southern baseball team in the SEC and that they don't have a brand like an Arkansas and LSU in Florida. So he purposely recruited guys with an attitude. <coughs> with me basically being like a Northern baseball representative, I, I'm from Michigan, played my high school ball in Michigan and all my travel ball in the Great Lakes area in colder weather. We honestly didn't really even get many coaches out to our games recruiting us but like that's what i would love to hear as a northern baseball player my coach say dude i would love to play for vitello i would think um no official pitchers have been announced for either team but i think tennessee will either throw their sec pitcher of the year chase dolander or the number two college arm for the 2022 MLB draft via Jonathan Mayo, Blade Tidwell. Dolander is up in the turn or whatever for the uh, scheduled start here. Um, he would be on five days rest, which is a typical MLB rest, and it seems to be what people are throwing their aces on here in the postseason this year. Nobody really is entertaining the idea of throwing off, and I really love that. I think throwing off, my team's always got burned in tournaments when we tried to throw off. So I'm going to project that Dolander throws. And by the way, let me know if we should get Jonathan Mayo back onto the podcast prior to the NCAA tournament to talk about some MLB draft stuff and some great college players because who doesn't love talking about the MLB draft, am I right? <coughs> um, as for Vanderbilt, I read Tim Corbin like an absolute book as he didn't pitch Carter Holton at all versus LSU in their weekend series. They saved him for game one in Hoover because they knew they weren't going to get a top four seed by into the double elimination bracket that they would have to play into the top eight into the double elimination bracket. So they threw Carter Holton and he was lights out through 6.1 innings. And that kid is going to be an ace next year. And the SEC is going to have to watch out. Um, it's going to be him and the stable of Tennessee guys next year in the SEC as the top arms. But anyways, for this game in specific, I'm making Devin Futrell my projected starting pitcher. He's 8-2 and two on the year with a 327 ERA, 59 strikeouts 10 walks in 55 innings pitched 
With crappy weather and a deep outfield, Hoover is going to play tough for the Bombers of Tennessee. They still hit for great average above 300, so I'm not knocking on their offensive game. But I'll be watching this game intently to see how much raw power the Volunteers truly have. That way I know how well they'll play in Omaha this year. Now my prediction is that they shouldn't have any issue getting to Omaha because... Like we know, the the ball flies off of these volunteers' bats, and they have a small... Lindsey Nelson Park is pretty small. Uh, it's like a little bit of an AL East shoebox, but uh, we need to know how well this offense is going to perform in Omaha if we're going to decide to take them to go that far. So I would stay away from this game. I'm picking Tennessee to win, but I'm not confident enough in them at minus 235 on that price to put the Vols in a parlay. So that's that. Uh, that is the full <coughs> the full slate. Now, before I get to my official betting card for today, Wednesday, May 25th, did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all of your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It is that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed on your computers, tablets, phones, and even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I do not go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting 9 months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So... Go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use the promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Now, let's finish up this podcast with my official betting card for today, Wednesday, May 25th, games. Game one on my card, minus 125 Texas money line against Oklahoma State money line. Or why did I say money line twice? Texas money line is the play minus one twenty five. I'll be putting a unit on that. Um, next game, plus one ninety Pittsburgh money line against Louisville. A half unit. That's typically how I play dogs over plus one fifty in baseball. When I take them on the money line, I'll put them as half units. Yesterday on the podcast, I didn't clarify that, so I counted all of them as one units, and that's how I only ended up with plus point one five of a unit. Um, today I will make sure that I count it as a half unit for my dogs. Um, the next game that I'll play, uh, we added this one late Kentucky, the money line plus 120 against Auburn. Uh, give me that. I'll put a full unit under that plus 120. Um, Lipscomb money line plus 200 against Florida Gulf Coast, half unit there. 
Uh, Alabama, the money line, plus 125 against Arkansas. I'll put a unit on that one. And we'll wrap up the day with Washington plus 210 money line dogs against Oregon State. I'll put a half unit onto that one. Um, now let's 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 have some fun. Let let's do this thing. Podcast parlays are four and three on the year, and I'm hitting at fifty seven percent. Um, today's parlay is going to be Southern Miss on the money line and Miami Florida on the money line at plus one nineteen. Now, if you're afraid that NC State's just going to get really hot here in the postseason and just keep rolling into Omaha, down the road to Omaha, like I said, that was my number one preseason College World Series future, NC State. And you know if I'm parlaying Miami, I feel pretty confident that the Wolfpack will not win this game. But, man, would I love it if they do. (laughs) Um Plus 119 for that parlay. And you know what, dude? Screw it. I forgot on yesterday's podcast to give out a parlay. So today, let's do two parlays. A nice two-pack of Big 12 juicy favorites makes a plus 175 parlay. TCU, Texas Tech, money line, And, oh, do we, do we get, like, really extra? Do we do, we do this? Okay. Plus 175 TCU Texas Tech is the parlay that I'll give out on the podcast. But TCU Texas Tech and Oklahoma, the three favorites in the last three Big 12 games, that's plus 347. Do I just do it and take all the favorites in the Big 12? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I might. I like that. Just back-to-back-to-back Big 12 games in a parlay. Plus 347. Yeah, screw it. Okay, take out the TCU Texas Tech money line on the side. The second parlay on this Wednesday, May 25th official betting card is going to be TCU Texas Tech Oklahoma in order on the money line. Plus 347. Cook that up. Um, Thank you guys for listening again. Uh, during the postseason, we're going to be bringing you daily podcasts, picking every game on at least the money line. Hopefully, they'll put out like overs, like totals over and unders on these games uh, prior to like literally game time, because that's typically when they come out, and it doesn't really help me, who's trying to put out a podcast for you guys. But yeah, I I read this off of American online betting sites. They have currently around 20 games or whatever i just read off to you guys on the podcast if you're interested and your book has a different game that i did not touch on hit me up in the dms on twitter at 77 nb that's the word 70 the number 7 nb i love interacting with you guys and we can really talk about some games in depth and we talk about that stuff in our slack channel on sports gambling podcast network we have one dedicated just to college baseball we have a good 40 guys in it that just feed off of each other's plays um the link to join our slack channel will be in the description below um like rate comment subscribe share this podcast with all of your buddies um leave us a good review it it does more than you know uh, more than you think. It, it helps us out pretty good, and I get judged 
by the big guys here at SGPN based off of our reviews, comments, subs, and follows wherever you listen to our podcasts. So that would mean the world to me if you guys would do that. <clears throat> but signing off for me now, I'm sorry I couldn't get Colby onto the podcast. Yesterday was kind of hectic for me. I had my mom's 50th birthday, and I technically didn't um, time manage myself very well to get Colby onto this podcast today because we had scheduled to record in like the middle of the afternoon yesterday. Um, but half of these games were not even out with betting odds. So it was going to be a basically useless podcast where we were going to be predicting who was going to win each conference. But I like the style going through a whole betting slate way more than just trying to predict where the odds are going to fall for each game. So let me know (coughs) what you would like to hear in my handicaps for these games. If you're picky and you want to hear the RPI for every team of every game in this betting slate because I know I didn't include that on some of the games in the second half. If you'd like that more often, let me know. If you think RPI is dumb, also let me know. Tweet at me on Twitter. But signing off for now, adios amigos. This has been Noah Beanick on the College Baseball Experience, and you were living the better side of college baseball.